Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. You're listening to the French Press Podcast, where we discuss events from our lives. Welcome to the French Press Podcast. This is episode 282. And it's Tuesday, May 28th, 2019. Jeff is here as well. We've got edibles. We've got a uh, second half of a picture story. Picture that. I picture this. We've this. got, we've, uh, we've picture got those. coffee. Picture we've them. Got, um, <laughs> picture them now. <laughs> we have a super interesting edible today. Yeah, Jeff teased it at work, and you said it's ex- uh, dangerously explosive. Is that the word you used? Uh, the words I used were science experiment. Yeah, that one. Uh, yeah, so my edible today is less of an edible and more of a... Um, Edibles? A, a um, Well, I guess I just uh, won't explain it because it'll kind of ruin it for you guys. Oh, so, sweet. Oh, so we don't even know. You don't even know what's going it. on here. Uh, well, but, explain it so that the listeners can uh, all right, listeners, get a sense of what listeners, we're feeling. Listeners, today we have before us, we have a cup of ice cream here. And ice cream is really good. Everybody loves ice cream. And we have some pills, which I have crushed up in a little mortar and pestle. And we are going to see what effect the pills have on the ice cream. Uh, and it's gonna it's gonna be really interesting, and um, I I promise you you guys will enjoy it. I warn you you have to eat the pills. The pills taste absolutely terrible, but uh, you will enjoy um, the the result. Okay. All right. The result will be worth it. So is this all before we drink coffee? This is all before we drink coffee. All right. So. Um, and you said we need to do it the first you, thing. Yeah. You know what? We should maybe drink the coffee right away before we drink the, eat the ice cream because the ice cream will have an effect on how we perceive the coffee later on. That's true. Because it. Yep. Yep. You're right. <clears throat> well, but the coffee's not ready yet. It's the coffee's need, not ready yet. It needs to stew well, for a little. Well, you know bit. what? We could talk about the weekend. Okay, we've had this coffee before. Okay. So I think we can fairly judge it uh, based on the. The past experiences past as well. experiences as well, yeah. So we, we have an educated... Yeah, you have an educated decision. But yeah. actually, this would be really interesting to see how uh, the coffee... Anyways. How much we enjoy Let's the just coffee. launch into the experiment. All so right, sweet. To, uh, experiment launching. This is, a, this is a science experiment. I was researching taste the <coughs> other night and came across... The science of taste. The science of taste. Tastology. How your taste buds work. Okay, uh, I'm interested. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. Uh, and I found some very interesting. There are two kinds of plants in the world that do ve- something very specific to your taste that is a uh, really neat effect. So, first off, I want you guys to take a bite of this ice cream. Okay. okay. Uh, to, to Just to prove to you guys that it's really good ice cream and that it's... Oh, good. And you get, each gave us... fresh. We, we get yeah, different everybody spoons. Everybody gets a spoon. Now, is it ice cream... Or is it gelato? This is ice cream. Because I've become somewhat mm. of a frozen dessert snob. Mm, this is good ice cream, though. Oh, it's really delicious ice it's, cream. It's Eddie's, uh, what is it? Some kind of a moose tracks or something. Peanut uh, butter cup. I love the size of it. it yeah, Jeff it's like, has like... it's How many ounces is it's it? It's a perfect... Um, like six ounces? 
Very good guess. Hold it. I'm not bad. Wow. Now, what we're going to do, now you've tasted the ice cream. The ice cream is regular ice cream. It's really good. Yeah. enjoyed it, right? Yep. So uh, you're going to take a, um, I'm going to scoop some of this. And Layton, you're going to scoop about half of that onto your spoon. And Ruben's going to get the other half. And you have to put this powder that I made from crushed pills into your mouth. It's going to taste awful, but you have to make sure that it thoroughly coats your tongue. So you okay. have to swish it around in your mouth. So that we kind of dissolve it so on our tongue? It has to dissolve on your tongue, and, it, and your tongue has to be coated with this powder. And just the top, not the bottom. Um, just our taste buds. Just the taste buds. All yes. right. <clears throat> so we, do we fling it onto the tongue? Mm-hmm. Just like scoop it in and just... Mm-hmm. The taste is awful. Oh, my word is bad. Mm, good, Bob. Oh, oh, that's Oh, do we swallow it then? Yeah, swallow it. Get rid of it. Uh. But coat it nice and good. Yeah, coat uh. your tongue nice and good. Mm, it's changing. It's getting more and more bitter. Uh. Yeah, I've tasted so, this before. This like is a uh, Gymnema Sylvester. Now the pills are not made to be eaten in this fashion. Oh, uh. you're not made to taste them because they taste bad. Uh, but can now, we eat the ice cream. Now you're this going to. Like, this tastes like fertilizer. Now or... you're going to eat the ice cream to wash off this flavor. Okay. Hurry up, Layton. I can't wait all day. Layton's taking. Layton's going for a second bite. Mm. It's totally unsweet. It's totally, one hundred percent unsweet. Mm. It tastes. I took the ice cream. And it's not, it, the ice cream doesn't taste bad, but it tastes completely bland. It tastes 100% bland. It tastes like milk yeah. with uh, some something in it that doesn't even taste much at all. Like foamy milk. This is the best diet, form of diet. Yeah. I would not want to eat any food. You're like just passing the ice cream around again, and I literally don't even want it. It's it's not good. It's empty calories at this point. It 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 it, it literally has very little it was flavor. It's always empty most calories. Of the that doesn't even taste good. In this ice cream comes from the sugar. Now, I'm what starting, this what this pill if does. If you eat enough ice cream, it, it starts like, tasting good again. It like washes well, off. Here, give me a little more. Yeah, <laughs> it <laughs> so, makes it fun again. What this is, uh, this is a certain plant from I believe it's from Africa, and the effect this plant has on your body is that it effectively. Uh, blocks your sweet taste receptors, your sweet taste buds. So you're literally, when you have this on your tongue, when your tongue has been in contact with this stuff, the uh, the taste buds that have been touched by it are no longer able to taste sweetness at all. And this is so interesting. I, I literally, the other day, I, I, I put this in my mouth and I was like, oh my word, this tastes terrible. And then I tasted something sweet and I was like, I need to prove... Like I, I was walking so you around. Stumbled upon this. I, I stumbled upon this online, and I was like, I need to try this. So I bought it on Amazon. I was like, need to try this. And anyways, I was walking around the kitchen, finding every sweet thing that I could. I ate a cookie. I ate a entire tablespoon of sugar. Literally couldn't taste anything. Straight sugar. I don't even know how how our taste buds work that well, Bart. But man, I think it's affecting my speech too. Yeah, Bart. Um, the aftertaste have, is awful. Have, wow. have, does so our taste buds are there sweet and sour receptors, or yeah. is does one receptor taste all the different flavors? Mm, no, 
No, there's there's five different senses. Sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and umami. Umami. Umami is like a Jeff. We that sounds talk like an Indian food. Witchcraft here. It, it's like it's actually an Indian. <clears throat> a lot of Indian foods have the umami flavor, and it's kind of a like curry or spicy. <sighs> yeah, it's kind of like an herby flavor. I would I would describe like it earthy. as earthy. Yeah, an earthy herby flavor. It's not. It's not bitter. Very natural. It's not sour. It's not salty. It's, it's just like, like vegetable. A, it's like, like bland like, vegetable. It's like meat. Meat has a lot of umami flavor really? in it, I believe. Anyways, I didn't know this. I I thought there was just four ty- types of taste buds oh, in your mouth. Oh, sick. I can um, still taste it. Yeah. The bitter, now you can taste the bitterness in the back of your throat, which, by the way, is where most of your tongue, most of your body's bitter taste buds are, are located towards the back of your tongue and in your throat. <clears throat> Taste buds in your throat? In the beginning of your throat, at least. Oh, um, sick. Okay, Jeff, did you explain where people can buy this? So you can buy this stuff on on Amazon by smashing our link, and it's called Gymnema Sylvester. And I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right, but it but but spell it like I just pronounced it, and you'll you'll find it. Jeff, what were you? Uh, um, you said you stumbled upon this. On yeah, the so internet. I was like, I was well, like, well, there's got to be a way. I was trying to to figure out why it doesn't work. So if you eat something spicy, okay, spicy tastes hot, mint tastes cold. So why can't you? Uh, why can't you eat something minty to counteract something spicy? Gotcha. Why doesn't it work? And it doesn't work because those are actually two different. Um, sensors. Two different nerves in your body, like it's two completely separate nerve <laughs> systems. Um, and uh, so, in finding that out, I found out that heat opens up a certain receptor in your body that is that receives uh, a certain shape of protein, and cold does the same thing. And so that is how your body knows when it's hot or cold. It's actually there's this protein is just somehow. In your bloodstream or in your body, and 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 when your nerves are activated, or when your those 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 openings are activated by by heat or cool, and so you're able to tell by how much protein is being absorbed into your nerve endings. It, it's really weird. But this is all on your. And when you say hot, you're talking about the like the, the flavor hot, the flavor hot, or the or the sensation hot. I found out that. The flavor hot and the hot that you feel when you're touching something that's burning is exactly the same uh, nervous response. It's exactly the same response in your body. And the only difference is that that you're when you're touching something hot, then your body is actually getting damaged by the heat. And so you're, you know, you want to react to that. But when you eat something that's spicy, even though it's the same nervous nerve response, there's actually no damage going on. Hmm. And it's not true. Also, People, pepper spray, pepper spray does absolutely nothing to you, except for make your eyes water. It burns. It makes your eyes water, and makes your nose all stuffy, obviously because of the eyes watering. But it actually does no physical damage to you. Okay. Which is really interesting too. Would you allow us to pepper spray you, Jeff? No, absolutely. But not. it does no damage to you. It does nothing to you. Have you ever, have you ever been exposed to pepper spray? 
No. I've, I've sprayed it, but I've never gotten close to I it. I have gotten exposed to pepper spray, and it is... Uh, I, I was, was not it? sprayed. I was not... You, wait, Jeff, are you legally allowed to talk about this I was podcast? not sprayed, and I was not even in the same room in which it was sprayed, but well, it was... you don't was, spray it indoors. It, somebody sprayed it indoors. That's a bad idea. And it idea. was extremely unpleasant. And I was... I think in, our listeners would find it room. very I don't want to know the scenario in which Jeff, Jeff was... A bystander of spray. Uh, needless to say, <clears throat> dumb high schoolers. Ugh. All right, let's move on. So let's keep on moving. Anyways, so if you guys are interested in that kind of thing, just Google it, and I'm sure that you that Wait, Google will explain. Or no, the whole the whole t- uh, taste, whatever. Oh, the other pill that I found is called the Miracle Berry, and it, it's it's a pill form of the miracle berry and the miracle berry does the opposite of this and it makes anything sour taste sweet it binds with your sweet taste buds uh but does not activate them until something sour comes in contact with the thing that is binded to the taste buds and so like you could eat a lemon and it would taste sweet whoa and that's yeah maybe that's a a, another experiment for another time jeff all right well tell us about this coffee that we've got sitting here okay uh, today's good, coffee. Good, good edible, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Science and food don't often go hand in hand, but when they do, it's better than just having science. Yeah. And or having hands. Uh, go ahead and, and and give us a rundown of the rest of the podcast while I pour this coffee. Oh, okay. Well, uh, we have to go over. We have to finish the rest of the uh, picture. Picture this. Picture that. I want to talk a little bit about the weekend. Layton's haircut. Uh, if you were on Instagram, you you saw him, the beginning part of his haircut, and I think I took a picture at the end, or did I forget to? Because no, we got I, distracted by. No, you took a picture of me. You you ha- you really struggled to find getting good lighting. I don't know but, if I ever posted it then. Oh. Well, people are just dying to know how my haircut looks. Actually, I don't think that many people were asking. <laughs> I know. <clears throat> I'm tasting I'm this coffee surprised. now. The interesting part of, of the, these pills, the most one of the most interesting actual experiences of it is that it affects only t- only sweetness. So like you can taste every other taste except for sweetness. So and weird. so it's really weird to experience foods uh, without tasting the sugar content. So does that mean though, like if you'd have a bite of a of a burger, would it taste different because there is some sweetness in a burger? In the bread. The bread would taste different. But not in the meat? Uh, I, I don't think the meat would because the meat doesn't really have sugar in it. Hmm. Um, All right. Okay. <sighs> but uh, peppermint ice cream. I, I was hoping to get some and I couldn't find any, but peppermint ice cream is actually really gross because peppermint oil by itself is the strong flavor that comes out of it, and peppermint oil is kind of bitter unless it's mixed with sugar. Hmm. Anyways, <clears throat> resume. All right. Layton, are you ready to talk about Picture This Part 2? Yes. I believe so. Um, uh, long-time listener um, and leader of the, uh, oh, the, some kind of, like, militia. He, he always threatens that if, you know what, never mind. Mitch came <laughs> to me and and he kind of clarified that uh, 
we were talking about Masada last week. Yeah. And how Masada was built by Herod the Great. Yeah. And then he let me know that I need to read my Bible because he said that's not the Herod during Jesus' time that built Masada. It's and a he was era. right, but he's also wrong. Because the Herod, Herod Okay, the hold on. Stop right now. Oh, okay. Right now, as you were saying this, I got a notification from Mitch Stutzman, and his comment was, really? Right as you were talking about him, <laughs> saying that he was wrong. There you go. That is right when it came. Really? It really. Really, really. Really, really. Anyway, carry on. Uh, <clears throat> and he let me know that King Herod that built Masada was the King Herod that tried to kill baby Jesus hmm. and was the reason that Mary and Joseph and the family had to flee to Egypt. And then they were there for, I don't know how many years, but a couple of years in Egypt. And then he died, and then they felt safe hmm. to go back. Just think if he'd only evacuated to Masada since Herod was never there. Potentially never there. But I, that- <laughs> I thought that the Herod that built Masada was the Herod that was alive after Jesus. Or is there none such Herod? There, he I, I don't he know why lived I, for four years after Jesus was born, I think. Okay. The, the, the King Herod. Yeah. Uh, and then after he died, there was like one of his sons ruled, I think, for six years or so. And he was so violent and so terrible that the Romans dethroned him and made one of his other sons take over or something like that but there was another there was another king herod after herod the great lots of them were called herods but there was a king herod during john the baptist time right yes that's the herod that i thought built masada the one that killed john the baptist no this would have been the second king herod there's herod the great which built masada and then there's just king herod who was alive during john the baptist time and who beheaded John the, John the Baptist. Mm. So I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't really know that. I knew there was multiple Herods, but I didn't yeah, I didn't realize either that I kind of forgot that to differentiate which one was which. But anyway. So so moving forward, now we're we're going to go back to Masada. Mm-hmm. Um I think we're ready for a picture if you if you look at the Instagram post, we're ready for picture number Picture number five, I believe. That, that's where we're going to start anyway. Picture number five of the Instagram post that we posted a week ago. Um, and it's, it's a – actually, it's a model. It's a, it's, a, it's a picture of a man, kind of his hand pointing towards a, 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 a little model. And you don't know what that is, but I'm going to tell you what it is. It is a, a piece of Masada. Uh, and it was where Herod the Great's living quarters were on this massive fortress. He was pointing to that area, you're saying? Yeah, well, that whole thing. The front of the, the, that whole front was his palace. Yes. That whole model that you see in the fifth picture is his palace. And it was you, you can see it's in three tiers. Um, the top tier, I think, is where he entertained guests. The second tier, the middle tier, was his bathhouse. I believe Hmm. he took baths there or it was more like a, a steamy spa kind of thing. 
but it was a it would have uh, been built to the specs of doing a ritual bath though back in back in that day yeah and then the bottom I think were maybe his was like his bedroom or like his sleeping quarters maybe I don't I don't actually know what the bottom was so what's the difference between this model here and the other one the other one was just uh, the the, the surrounding the, area the second picture yeah the very second picture the very second picture um, if you look oh it's like current it is that the living quarters are on the tip on the, uh, oh, on uh, the, uh. the left side yeah, yeah, yeah. of the top of the model. I see that. So it's a it's just a, a section of it. So it's showing, okay, so that's like a huge plane showing a, like a way zoomed out view of how it is today with the ruins. Yes. And now this other model is the the what it would look like. What it looked like, yeah. That is pretty sweet. And I'm posting a video showing when you're at... <clears throat> I believe it was the bottom level. No, it wasn't the bottom level. There was one. Lo this was the middle level, okay. and you can see us standing there. And it's incredible how well some of the, uh, um, like, the artwork is still visible. Like the different yeah. colored of uh, c colors. I mean, on the walls, part of it is still visible. And mm -hmm. throughout when we were in Israel, it was surprising how much was, was still preserved and still intact. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So that's the second picture. That's sorry. That's the fifth picture. Moving on to the sixth and last picture. Um, it doesn't look nearly as impressive as the other pictures that you see, but this is a picture of the Roman camp when there was a massive siege. That I think this happened on in, Masada. On Masada, um, and this happened way after like King Herod died. This. This happened, this was like the last campaign that the Romans made uh, in Israel. And they were they were going after, I think it was 60 AD. That's what I was thinking. It was well, well after the time of Jesus. Actually, no, I think it was 75 AD. Because none of the, the, um, the Bible doesn't talk about it at all. And people speculate that they would have. And I think like the, the last... Uh, the the latest letter that could have possibly been written um, was in seventy two A D. I think that's when Paul wrote his like latest mm -hmm. like his last mm -hmm. letters. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I, I should look it up. But the the uh, the Jewish rebellion I think happened in seventy five A D. And they they were a group of Jews that were trying to rebel against the Roman Empire. And Masada by then was totally abandoned. There might have been some people up there, but it wasn't really occupied anymore. It was by no means like a Roman. It, had, it mm -hmm. didn't have any government whatever at all. It was just kind of barren and like mm -hmm. there were still structures there that you could live in. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> this Jewish rebellion took their last stand there at Masada. And oh. It would almost seem kind of appropriate because, like, King – or I should say Herod the Great thought of Masada as, like, this this uh, big beacon of, of Romanization. Power or greatness or – Yeah, just like – but showing off, like, Roman culture. Yeah. And, like, he's going to, like, do it out in the middle of this desert. And it was going to be like, hey, this is, this is Roman coming to you, 
live. Yeah. And that was something that our tour guide Benny, and if you are looking, are you, if you're going to Israel, you definitely want to take get a tour guide. Get Benny Yohanan. I didn't say his name right, but he's one of my our, my Facebook Benny friends. Benny Yonan. Yonan, and you'll be able to find him. And he he made it very clear that Rome in general was all about being cultured and like also harnessing nature mm-hmm. and, and and owning mm. nature. And this was one of the ways to do it: building a fortress out in the desert on the side of a mountain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like dominating the land. Yeah. And this is, there's several examples of him doing this and we'll get to it later throughout Israel. Uh, at, at his other palace, he did some incredible things as well. Yeah. Um, anyways, so there was a Roman siege. It lasted for three years. These, these rebels took refuge up in Masada. The siege lasted for three years. And during those three years, Rome, or the Romans, set up camp, and that big, it almost looks like a square, in the last photo of the Instagram post, uh, the sixth photo. Mm, like the, the inner square or the, or the big square? The big square yeah. was like the camp mm-hmm. that they had. And then the smaller square, I don't know if that was like the general headquarters kind of thing, like it was like the, the most authority, so I don't th- know. this I'm, camp, was it like... Um, was it like actually a a place that was built or did they just like pile dirt up around it or I think they had like they had made like three foot high walls mm. kind of thing. Little and Roman if, walls. If you look just just below the square, you'll also see like a squiggly line. I'm not, I'm not talking about the green river like line. I'm talking about if you look at the walls of the square and you look just below that, the walls of that square, you'll see another line that looks kind of like those walls, but yeah. it's squiggly. Yeah, they had that, like that three foot high wall, all the way around Masada, and they would have these runners. And, and Masada is huge; mm-hmm. it's massive. And they had built this little three foot high wall all the way around during the siege, and you can still see that line where that mm-hmm. runner wall was. And the reason they called it the running wall is because they would have soldiers running back and forth 24-7 wow. on this wall. So to on make top sure, of it or like around it? I think on top, on of, top it. of it. I mean, it, it wasn't that tall, but it was, but it was a, wide enough that you could walk on yeah. it. And it was, no, go ahead. Well, it was to give the impression that like you couldn't ex- escape. Like, yeah. You, and, you they, were, and you could. You were surrounded, yeah. literally. Huh. That's cool. It was a Roman tactic that they would do to like instill hopelessness into those that they were seeking. Because yeah. yeah. everywhere you looked, you saw that wall. Yeah. And you would see runners. Just like a reminder. Yeah. And uh, they said that, oh, what did Benny say? He said that the, 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 the crushing foot of Rome is slow, is very slow, but very heavy. It's like... You 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 see your impending doom coming towards you slow, yeah. But it is coming, yeah. And it just slowly mm. presses down. And that's kind of what they had to do in order to actually take over this this yeah. city during the three years of the siege. They piled up dirt. If you go up to the if you go back to the very first picture, no, mm-hmm. not the first picture. Sorry, the second picture of the Instagram post, and you you look. At Masada, you see, like you know, around you'll see this triangular, uh, almost a straight ramp. Line. Like yeah, one of the few straight lines that you'll see. It's very peaked, 
uh, going up on the right side. Oh yeah, yeah, that thing. Yeah. Of the, of the uh, model, and that was actually a ramp that they es- they excavated. The Romans excavated over three years time, and then they they just piled dirt, like, uh, by hand. Wow, it's terrible. Well, it they probably had some, slaves. some basic tools. Well, yeah, but still, I mean, they didn't have like backhoes or anything. Yeah, and that ramp was all just so that they could they would be able to push a tower, roll a tower up to the wall, so they could get over the wall of Masada. <laughs> uh, and 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 the story is actually really interesting. Siege tower. Yeah, it was a yeah. siege tower, and and it was like, how was that they? They had fire. They had like fire arrows or something. Something caught on fire, and they were going to try to burn the wall of Masada down. But then, like right in the middle of that, when they finally got this tower after three years, they finally rolled this tower up to the wall of Masada, and they they lit the wall on fire, mm-hmm. the wall of Masada on fire, and then the wind direction took a nasty change, and it blew it back towards the tower made of wood. <laughs> and that caught on fire and then for a second there they thought like oh my word all this work this whole tower is going up in blazes but then the wind changed direction again and directed it back towards the wall and then the siege did in fact it was successful but they said when the Romans finally got through the wall of Masada to attack the rebels there was like no one left they had all killed themselves except for like a couple of women and children. Wow. I, I thought it was one one man and several women. Oh yeah, there was one man. It was Josephus. W- was it Josephus? I, I don't think it was Josephus here. It probably wasn't. I thought Josephus was uh, at Arbel. Yeah, you were probably right. I, I think. But so. but but Josephus was like he was a Jewish historian. Yeah. And and in his previous life was also a, an Israeli or Jewish rebel. One of the rebels. Yes. Yeah. But he had the conundrum. Well, we'll talk about the Josephus conundrum later. Mm. <clears throat> we should uh, we should get to this coffee now. Yeah. Now that our idea. taste buds have normalized. So this concludes. So Jeff, picture them. And I did post a video, not a picture, of us being on the palace floor, the middle level. Um, and it's it's impressive. It's still it's amazing how beautiful it looks today, and I can only imagine how it looked back in its you know back when it was. And it's prime. Yeah. During the Herodian period. The Herodian. The Herodian. All right. I really, yeah, I like this coffee. It's good, Jeff. Yeah. Did you add it to Airtable? I did. So if you want to whip out your Airtable and look at. uh, Oh, I see the the name. Yeah. You know what? This is not sorted uh, properly. It should be sorted by. um, By overall ranking? By date. date. Oh, by date. So that the date is at top. Oh, good point. Yeah. All right. Um. This takes me. Hmm. This to tastes like a flavored coffee. Create new sort. Sort by date. Yeah. In this actually takes me to descending order. a fortress in the middle of the desert. Uh, just off the coast. I say in the middle of the desert, just off the coast of the of the Dead Sea. Uh, I. Yeah, on top of Masada. Jeff. Yes. I'm 
surprised how much I enjoy this coffee for, for, for it being flavored again. Right. And I don't think we've had this coffee before. Uh, Unless it was way, it way It was back. a long time ago. Right. So I figured it was time for a repeat. It's so long ago that the taste buds have probably forgotten. This takes me to an island, not to a desert fortress. Somewhere. So something, still something isolated, though. Still isolated, but lush and green instead mm. of stony and desert. Mm. Does it make you feel Sword groggy? By. No. Sword by. It makes me feel Rastafarian. Descending. Oh, Ruben, you must be crazy. <laughs> Jamaican. <laughs> what in the world just happened? No, this is really good. No. I still don't think I would want to sip this. I wouldn't want to have five cups of this throughout the day because the flavor would still get to me. Okay. But yeah, it's Jamaican me crazy from Main Street Roasters. Yeah. It is a really good flavored coffee. Th- th- this it's is, solid. in fact, probably the only, this is the second, the, one of the two flavored coffees that I would recommend anybody to, to actually oh, drink. No. And, and, and this one is my favorite, Jamaican me crazy. Highlander Grog is acceptable. Well, have you tried the Drummer Boy Joe? No, that's way too strong all of a flavor. I love the rest, it. All the rest it's of the flavored coffees are trash. It. Trash. If I want flavor in my coffee, I will add flavor I'll make with a latte. creamer. I'll add flavor with creamer. No. Yeah. You guys are wrong. Because c- creamer is a more authentic flavor than the syrup that they put on the coffee beans. You know, they don't even bake the flavor into these coffee beans. The way you flavor coffee is you just put syrup on it after it's roasted and mix it up. Well, that's basically what you're doing with putting the cream in afterwards. But 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 I can be selective about the flavor that I put on. No, I do agree with Jeff. Flavored coffee. You could also is a, is be selective sad. of what flavor of beans you buy. Yeah, uh, unflavored. <laughs> when when did flavored coffee become a thing? Because would anyone would anyone argue that flavored coffee is better than regular coffee with the flavoring in it? Flavored coffee became a thing before the age of third wave coffee, which is what we're in right now. Third wave coffee is ultra premium, like French press brew or pour over or Jeff. and you get all these like organic. Don't turn high off quality. the podcast. We'll come back to reality. You need to. I'm gonna speak for the so, fans. Before, you need to turn down the coffee hipster. Before like, the, no no. Four or this five is what notches. I'm saying. This is what the I'm saying. Third wave of coffee. This is the hipster movement. How are you getting married has, to, to a Mennonite woman with this much hipster in you? The hipster movement has pushed coffee to the next level because coffee is such a hipster thing. Uh, <coughs> so before the hipster movement came into play, coffee was just coffee. Third and wave coffee is there not was something a lot I thought more, we'd ever discuss on the podcast. There was a lot more terrible coffee floating around out there, and they had to mask the terribleness with flavor. All right. That's my opinion. Now that we've established what third wave coffee is, I want to I want to hear what is the second wave coffee? I don't what, know. What era was that? What span? Was it during was it the Herodian period? I think that hipsters thought it was too cool to go or is not cool enough to go in incremental order and they just chose third wave. Gotcha. Because third wave sounded cool. That yeah, that sounds accurate. I have no idea, but that's my uh, it, But did you just make up the third wave coffee? No, or is that's, that like a that's, term? That's an actual that's term. That's what the hipsters yeah. use. Third wave coffee is defined by being by it's more defined by how it's prepared than what it is because i mean it's always prepared with you know high quality select usually single origin beans but 
But the preparation methods are what really defines the third wave coffee. Is, is Chemex a part of the third yes. wave? Chemex is third wave. The third Reich. The third Reich. Pour over became increasingly popular, incredibly popular when third wave entered because pour over you have such control over the coffee that you're brewing and it's like a very scientific method. Okay. Well, on a tangent, going off on a tangent uh, from from just the topic of coffee, I'd like to go a little bit broader and make a suggestion that we need to now have a segment just called uh, like hipster terms that we just discuss once a week and just go on to like find some kind of like hipster website that explains like this is what a hipster means when he says third wave coffee. You know, do you like, know what I think we should do on a tangent with that? Ooh. Is delve into Mennonite hipsters because there is such a thing as Men- Mennonite hipsters. Hipster. Yeah. And like Mennonites have their own uh, subcultural hipster movement that is different than the normal hipsters because well, you couldn't be a hipster and be Mennonite. You couldn't be a real hipster and be Mennonite at the same time because hipsters are all about being different. And Mennonites are very much the same. Well, but... Well, but they're being different from the other Mennonites. But they're being different from the other Mennonites, so they're hipsters. But still, all Mennonites the hipster Mennonites... Mennonites are not Mennonites. about being the same. As no, a general men- Mennonites, but... We claim to be set, uh, apart. Set apart. No, set I'm, apart saying, I'm saying within the Mennonite culture... You can go from one Mennonite church to another Mennonite church, and you can you know what to expect. Gotcha. Because because it is so similar. Well, yeah, it's so a unified. It's it a, is culture. a culture. It's a culture. Yeah. So basically, within within the uh, Mennonite culture, you're saying there is a sect of Mennonites that want to be unique. Yes. Uh, from the rest, the hipster so they're like Mennonites. Menno flakes. Yes. But then like little you, special snowflakes. It comes out in all these uh, these magazines, especially the women's Mennonite magazines. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't Could know you name any many? men. Are there any male magazine male Mennonite magazines? You're probably right. There aren't. Any. Actually, that that would be a good name for the first male Mennonite male Man. Mennonite magazine. You just call it Triple M. Triple M and M and M. M and M and M. Male Mennonite magazine. M M&M and M T. What are some What are some differences today. between, uh, just like mainstream <clears throat> hipsters versus Mennonite hipsters? Well, Mennonite hipsters, obviously, uh, not all of them can grow full on beards like hipsters do because they're beachy. So, oh. and they they have to have the beachy version of the hipster beard. What is the beachy version of the hipster beard? No mustache. Oh, is that it? Well, yeah. Well, what about length? Can, can, I, uh, I I don't actually know. Are allowed to grow like a, a as long of a, obviously not mustache, but. I think they're allowed to grow as beard. long as they want, but Just, t- typically uh, like beachy beards are trimmed typically, but hmm. I don't well, know. I, 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 I actually don't know that topic, much about beachies. And I don't want to, I don't want to shut think, it down. I think you want to exhaust it. But I think we I need think to. We should, we should continue, but on another episode. I okay? think we should. Uh, this is this is commission we've gold. We should commission an outsider, who actually a guest, who actually knows something about what Mennonite hipsters actually are. We should like commission a, uh, them and have them come on the podcast and share their findings. Share their findings. They're, you think that they've already researched? I think there are some um, uh, people who know a lot about what. Mennonite hipsters actually are. 
Yes. This is a serious question. Do hipsters self-associate as hipsters? And then the same thing, I think like that the, would ma- the be, mainstream one. I don't think that would be hipster enough. Okay. That's kind of what I feel, too. And it's probably the same thing with the Mennonites as well. Uh, oh, yeah. Men- yeah. Menno hipsters. The yeah. Menno flakes. Yeah, the Menno flakes. Okay. The, the Menno flakes would not put themselves. I was going to say, we should find a uh, an ambassador. Mm. A Mennonite hipster ambassador, but then they probably he probably that person probably wouldn't associate. The, as po- a the point of being a hipster. So we need a Menno mole. No, you can't have an ambassador because the point of an ambassador is to convince other people to become like you. Oh, and, and he- you can't have a hipster ambassador because then if somebody else becomes like you, you're no longer a hipster. You're just normal. There's two of you, and thus neither of you are special. Yeah, but Jeff, you, you don't actually believe that about hipsters in general. It's not just about being different. There is more. I think more to there's it. a culture. There is a culture to it, and there's yeah, like there's certain for sure culture. They they they, they claim to to uh, yeah, they are different, but they claim to be different uh, because they're interested in the finer things of life, like, like they, they, coffee. They, they they are much. They claim to be much more sophisticated and have a much more refined taste. Uh, uh, okay, hipster definition: a person who follows the latest trends and fashions, especially those regarded as being outside the cultural mainstream. So they they claim to so find they the they specifically things. try a new thing that is outside of the norm to be d- with the intent of being different, but also the cutting edge of and the cutting edge. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like those those off-brand Android phones that have like the latest technology, like like you know, uh, ultrasonic fingerprint scanning way before mm. Samsung ever came out with that, and it didn't really work, but they were still the new great thing, mm. cutting cutting edge of society. Mm. So we, hipsters are people just seeking to have a bullet point that no one else has. Yeah. Put that on a T-shirt. All right. All right, we didn't. We never rated our coffee yet. Jamaican me crazy. Jamaican <laughs> me crazy. Five, out of five stars, I have to get it four stars. Like, and I'd almost give it five because it is really good. I, 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 it I gave it five just because it is such. Four out of five. It's such. Or are we doing it out of ten? It's out of five. Out of five. Oh, I thought we used to do it out of ten. Uh, we used to, but now we're doing it out of five because it's simpler. Remember, Jeff sent a poll to us that we could fill out. That one of you didn't fill out. I don't oh, know who it was. I me. guess. When you're the only one who votes, your vote really matters. Uh, anyways, uh, I'm giving it a five just because this is like even Highlander Grog, I wouldn't really drink personally, but this I will. And so just because it is such a good flavored coffee, I'm giving it a five. All right. So the average rating between the three of us is like a 4.75 or no, something 4.3. Like 4.3. It's right there. I don't see it. Oh, there it is. I there didn't even. Okay. I don't. Even, I, I was able to do the math in my head. Oh, I guess it's because it's. So right now we have yes. Costa Rican Terrasu in the lead with 5.0. Jamaican Me Crazy is 4.3, and Le Corbusier that we tried uh, last week was a 2.3. It was terrible. Yeah, that was awful. If our most terrible, awful coffee that we've re- done so far still got up to two and a half. I'd hate to know what a one star would taste like. No, we had a one star. We should we should uh, try that, that again, and it might still be here somewhere. Uh, was that that uh, it, it, Jericho it, coffee? It was really bad. I don't know what it was, but it was really right. bad. Um, what else do we have left to go over? Well, we have to go over the weekend. The weekend, 
end your camping trip. Yeah. Uh, I think, and, I think and some if we of have those time, also we should the Birkenstock table. review. Oh, we don't have time for all of that. Because well, I let's have... Let's save the Birkenstock review for next week. I have about... I should be leaving in about six minutes because we have small groups at six o'clock. Okay. Then... And it's 524. Let's talk about the weekend because otherwise we won't get to it. We can talk about Leighton's haircut at another time. Sure. Yeah. Which we don't need to. I know, I know. I don't understand why the haircut is such a big deal. <laughs> I think it's because our cousin gave you the haircut. So we want to more. It's more about the cousin than the but, actual me getting a haircut. But we decided we're not going to talk about it. So let's talk about the weekend. Yeah, let's do that. I went camping. I, I'm not a fan of camping. Why not? Because uh, you get sticky, <clears throat> stinky, and you can't get clean. I feel like those overlap a little bit. They do. I but feel like those overlap a lot. I don't mind <laughs> stinky and stinky and sticky. Sure, but the problem is, but when, when they're you're together, at, it's bad. No, at at home oh. you can go shower and you can be in a clean environment. When you're mm. camping, there is no clean environment. You're in the woods with dirt and insects. So yes, did I enjoy? Did I have a good time? There was yes, I had. There was times when I had a good time. But it still isn't the kind of thing where I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'd want to go camping again. And I guarantee you, I don't think anyone would say that. Who wants to go camping every weekend? And yet, for some reason, it's popular. And I'll I don't, tell you, I don't do. know why. You know, I actually, Then why don't you, you – you're saying you know people who want to go camping every I weekend. like everything about camping except for – except for, well, number one, the, the, the work involved in, like, going – so much work. So you'd have to like, in order to make it convenient, you'd have to have a camper ready to go at all times. The second thing, the the, the biggest thing that I dislike about camping is the insects. I, I cannot stand mosquito bites. I absolutely hate mosquitoes. And so I will drown myself in a mosquito spray when I go camping. And then it just you just generally don't feel that clean and great because you're doused in mosquito spray. Which is not healthy for you either. So. I, I know you want to say something, Layton, but but let me say this one. And I'm gonna let one, you one more thing. I enjoy football, and during Notre Dame football season, I'm watching football every weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't get sick of it or tired of it, or afterwards saying like, "Oh, I don't want to do that next weekend." No, I enjoy it. It's fun. Camping. <laughs> Is not that. Is not that. (laughs) Why do people, why are they like, oh, it feels so good to get home? Why do you feel that way? Because it was a lot of work and a a lot of dirtiness Hmm. and a lot of stinky. I think maybe part of the appeal of camping for for some people out there at least is is the the fact that their children and families enjoy it so much. And so they will, they enjoy not having to have the responsibility of being at home and spending time with their children and seeing their children enjoy themselves. But there are a lot of things that are very, very worth it that at the end of them, you are ready to, like, let them go. Like, for instance, I love getting together with family. And that's what I did this past Memorial Day weekend. Like, I loved it. It was great. But it doesn't mean that I would want to do that every single weekend. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. But if we had it every weekend, it would lose its luster. Yeah. It's like ice cream. I love ice cream. Uh, but if would you'd you, eat it Don't all, you want to have it for every meal, Jeff? If you if would you eat it all the time. That's not that's number like saying one, you want to live out in the forest. It would lose its appeal. And number two, you would get fat. I still think I still think what I'm saying has some definite uh, value or like truth to it. Well, you can think that. I think that, the main truth is that. No, you didn't. We, we that that different people have different interests. 
That's true. No, but I've I've heard I overhear people talk about when they're gonna go camping like, oh man, it's so much work. But it's it's fun. But man, it's so much work to go. Yeah, it is. And it's then, so much work. And then to, when they come back, they're just exhausted. To visit family. They're just exhausted. For Memorial Day weekend. Were you exhausted after spending weekend with family? Aside from that, maybe you stayed up really late. Yeah. You, you might have stayed up later than normal. No, but, but I'll, I'll tell you who was. That, I'll tell you who you, was. Who? Ken the, and Priscilla. No. The, well, the host. Yeah, the host. But then also the people that had to travel out from Pennsylvania and then travel back. Mm. Yeah, that's I'm true. pretty sure they were exhausted. Yeah. You wouldn't be catching me doing that every weekend. <laughs> And you wouldn't catch them doing that every week. But um, yeah, so you would be spent. Take the take the spending time with family element out of it because if you would let's say let's say if you went home every night, but you did the exact same thing, you spent the same hours with your family, but you st- but you went home to sleep. Mm. Would you be the same level of exhausted? And then whatever increasing exhaustion you get from camping is the actual exhaustion you get from camping. Jeff, I wasn't able to follow any of that. But now I'm going to basically basically apply the filter of sleeping at home versus camping to the experience to get the. (laughs) (sighs) You mean the formula, the filter? You've completely lost me. You've genuinely lost me. I was, charging, I was charging my computer, and so I just feel I didn't catch all of it either. Throw me a lifeline. Take how tired you are. (laughs) Okay. And, and 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 minus off of that tiredness, subtract off of that tiredness, okay. the amount of additional tiredness you got by camping versus going home. I still can't, I can't follow. follow that. <laughs> okay, then just forget There's what I'm saying. There's too many subtractions. Can yeah. you add something? <laughs> How am I subtracting additional sleep? Basically, what's 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 the difference between between camping and spending time with your family, or or sleeping at home and going and spending time with your family? Okay. What's the difference in like the, the difference, effort? The difference between those two things, the difference in effort expended and tiredness mm-hmm. between camping with your family or staying at home, then going somewhere to spend the same amount of time with your family. Oh, a lot. There's a lot more with the camping. That a lot more is is just because of the camping. And so if yeah. you took the family element away from it, then you're left with that, and that is the camping experience. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of agreeing that camping is not it, it adds adds work unless you have a great setup and it's not that much work. There's the elements of camping that are great, like sitting around a fire, being outside. You can do that in your backyard. So why go? Why not necessarily? And then you can go. You're not allowed in your, to dump in your home your gray and shower. Water. You don't need gray water because you have indoor plumbing. Oh well, then you're not camping. <laughs> Says who? Says a lot of people that exactly. enjoy camping. <laughs> Like the camping experts would definitely agree with me on this one. But I, I'm ninety nine percent sure of that. <laughs> I don't know why you're defending camping because you don't love it either. You're right, I don't. But I'm just saying, just because you don't want to do it every single weekend, doesn't mean that it's of no value. Like, or it's just bleh. If you don't want to do it every weekend, then you obviously it must not be as good as football. <laughs> <laughs> or, or whatever you enjoy doing. Right. Like, maybe it's hunting or fishing. Or skiing. Or, yeah, whatever. Yeah. My but, thing, Jeff, my thing with camping, there's a wise man that said it well, that all camping is, is let's pretend to be homeless for a couple days. Yeah. <laughs> that was former host of the podcast. Uh, no, no, it yeah, wasn't. It was uh, I heard Eric someone. Troyer. 
Well, this he might have said it first, but the man who made a ton of money actually saying it on stage in front of a live audience, Jim Gaffigan. Oh. He's a comedian. He might have said it first. He, I'm pretty sure he, he probably did. did. He probably did. But yeah, I'm, pretty, probably, sure, I'm pretty sure Eric it. watches Jim Gaffigan. Hey, what do you want to do this weekend? Oh, I know. Let's pretend to be homeless. Yeah. I and think call it camping. As with any hobby, the uh, level of... Um, it's the law of diminishing the, returns. The phileticness of it goes down with the level of preparation, pre-preparation that you have. For instance, if you had a camper that had all the clothes in it that you needed and almost all of the food that you needed in it. Well, but it spoils. Okay, so none of the food. You had to go buy the food. But you would have had to go buy the food anyways. That's that's, that's true. doesn't count. So all the clothes you needed in it was had water, had gas in the generator, and all you had to cooking, do cooking was hitch it up to your vehicle. It's all parked in your driveway, ready to go. You hitch it up to your vehicle, you go somewhere, you plug it in, you hook up the water, and that's it. And then you set up your lawn chair and you're done. Well, but you have I to, think you have but to get it's, out never, the it's never just that's it, Jeff. You have to level the camper. You have to level the camper. You have to get the awning. Okay. You have to, you sure. have to hook up the sewage. Yep. So, so let's say let's say you spend. You have to light the boiler. You drive the to the place. Heater. You drive to the place that you're going. No, you have an electric water heater, so it doesn't matter. Uh, well, the, the camper that I use doesn't. And so, Maybe and, you and so you you spend you spend half an hour setting up. You have spend half an hour leveling your camper, hooking it up bringing out the awning. If you can get to that point, camping would be a pleasant experience. You know what? Most people are not at that point. Yeah. We, we have the opportunity to use a camper, and we didn't this last time because even a camper is kind of it's kind of a yeah. lot of work. You can't, just, extra you can't work. just like hop into it and go unless you have everything ready and everything's mm-hmm. in there, which, which we... And it's in your backyard. And it's in your backyard, and you have, a, you have a truck, to, your vehicle to pull Ready it. to pull it. So we, we are going to give camping, uh, RV camping, a shot. Mm-hmm. To see how that goes. Okay. But roughing it camping uh, is not something that I love doing. Would you go again? No, not by choice. Will Th- there'd you be, go again? Uh, I mean, probably. Yeah. Over, over the course of my <laughs> lifetime. Hopefully I live for another, you know, 50 years. Wow. 81. All right. Anyway, Layton. <laughs> Any, any other final thoughts about that before we get to I, I the I think end? we thoroughly exhausted the thought of camping. What's yeah. the point? The point is camping is a lot of work. We would all agree with that. Point number two, there were two King Herods uh, in Jesus' time. One at the beginning of his life. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I don't know why it cried me up, but yeah, come on, go on. You <laughs> ruined my point. Is <laughs> Herod the Great and then the other King Herod. There's your other point. Reuben uh, Rude's points. Yeah. Third point, Reuben Rude's points. Point number four. Jeff has a film that rings. Jeff found a way to even make ice cream taste terrible. Yeah. Oh. You have to admit it was cool. It was a cool experiment, and you should do it again, but not. Don't defile ice cream, though. That should remain un- unblemished. And what's the word of the week? Word of the week is...